Hey, hey, this is Sky with Smart Poker Study, and I'm happy you're spending some of your study time with me today. So today's podcast episode goes along with last week's episode called The Easy Way to Become a 3-Bet Bluffer. So I'm all about putting more aggression into your game and dropping that passivity. All those calls and all those checks that we're doing For the most part, they don't do us too much good. That aggression, both pre-flop and post-flop, is where it's at. Now, for a lot of players, getting aggressive is pretty difficult. And in the Poker Forge, I created a video there within the Quick Wins Poker Course called Gird Up Your Loins for Aggression. It's one video out of 41 videos in just one of the courses. So there's so much content there in the Poker Forge. But in this video, it was a response to one of my member questions about how to get more aggressive. And then boom, I created this video. So for today's podcast, because I want to help you become more aggressive, both pre-flop and post-flop, I uh, uh, stripped out or extracted the audio from that video called Gird Up Your Loins for Aggression, and I'm going to play it for you in today's podcast. So you can follow along as you listen. Go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 411. And if you enjoy today's episode, this is pretty emblematic of a lot of the content that I have within thepokerforge.com. And seeing as how we just entered October, my fall sale is going on right now. It's a BOGO, buy one, get one free sale. So if you buy one month of membership, you get two. You buy a quarter, you get two quarters. All the details at thepokerforge.com right now. Speaking of right now, let's do the poker right now. Gambate! Ooh, it's a formidable scent. It stings the nostrils. In a good way. Yeah. Brian, I'm going to be honest with you. That smells like pure gasoline. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. Welcome to a member request video, and I'm calling this Gird Up Your Loins for Aggression. So uh, in the video directly above this one here, the video is called The Power of Position. Underneath it, Jim left a little request and a question right here. And here's here's what he said. But the key part for me, the, the reason I'm making this video is he says at the bottom, I pretend to be a tag, but I'm weak, tight at heart. So maybe like a tag fish, if you've heard me or Nathan Williams use that uh, uh, moniker before. He also says, I'd... I would have never bet River after he called a raise and a two-thirds pot bet. He's talking about the flop in the turn action. He must have something, and I have nothing. How about a video on how to gird your loins? As soon as I read that, I thought, whoa, this is a great video idea. So, Jim, thank you so much for it. Well, there's two things I thought, you know. Great video. The first thing I thought, though, was, hey, where does that come from? I've heard gird your loins before. So I just whipped out Google, did a quick Google search. Uh, history of gird your loins or something like that I typed in. And gird up your loins means to prepare for action. And when I searched for it, I found this awesome Art of Manliness website with a killer um, a killer piece of art right here. How to gird up your loins in six steps. And it's pretty interesting because people used to wear these like really long tunics and you could see how he would fold it up, bring it forward, bring it back through, tie it around his waist and bam, he's ready for work. He's ready to fight. Like that tunic isn't going to get in his way anymore, right? And oh, Art of Man, Art of Manliness podcast. I'm going to check this one out too. 
Um, I guess originally it's from the Bible, Proverbs 31, 17, girding up your loin. So that's the first thing that really struck me. Where does that come from? Because, you know, got to know the history of that saying before I talk about it in the video. Um, the second thing that came to mind was creating this video to teach you how to gird up your loins, how to become the kind of player that can bluff, that can be aggressive, that can spot those opportunities to get aggressive and stick it in your opponent's face. So... As you saw in that prior slide, it was a process, a six-step process to wrap their tunics to prepare for battle, right? Well, we have four parts to girding up your loins, and they come in two different phases or, or areas of poker, I guess. The first is the study area of poker. You need to realize that bluffing is necessary when you're playing. And we're going to dive into this fully in just a little bit. There's two parts to this. We've got to do some Flopzilla range work, and I'll show you that in just a little bit. And we have to do hand reading. I'll discuss that further in a little bit. The second aspect of this is when you're playing, right? You need to train your mind and your finger, your mouse clicking finger. You have to train it for bluffing. We do that in two ways. First, to be prepared to bluff with every hand that we play. We just have to keep that idea in mind that in order to win, we're probably going to have to bluff at some point. Now, the fourth thing is you got to pull the trigger when he has nothing, right? You might have nothing, but he also has nothing. But remember what Jim said. He has something to get here, right? Not necessarily. We'll dive into this whole pulling the trigger thing in a few slides from now. But let's start with Flopzilla range work. Okay, so Flopzilla range work. What you want to do in Flopzilla is enter a range or a hand, and how's it hit the flop? Ask yourself that. So we'll whip out Flopzilla. Now let's take a look at a few things, right? Um, on the button, somebody has, or you have a 31% raising first in range. You hit top pair or better only 25% of the time. So when we think about bluffing, how often are you likely going to have to bluff to win the pot? Just thinking about hitting on the flop. Because you could have hit, you know, a top pair ace or a king on the turn or river, of course. But just thinking about the flop, you hit 24% of the time. If you want to win it right now on the flop, what do you, how often are you going to have to bluff? Yeah, if you hit it 24%, or let's just round up 25, you're going to have to bluff 75% of the time. That means even with a decently uh, wide range like this and a strong range, you've got all the best hands, you're still going to have to bluff 75% to win on the flop right now. Let's think about some specific hands as well. Let's clear this. Everyone loves playing the king 10 suited, right? Well, you only hit top pair or better 25% of the time, once again. So if you hold king 10 suited, you raise on the button, somebody calls. Before... Before you even see the flop, realize that, wow, this hand only hits 25% of the time. I'm going to have to bluff. Hopefully, I can catch a flush draw or a straight draw, maybe a combo flush draw plus open-ended straight draw, some kind of thing like that. But I'm going to have to bluff to win this on the flop. Just pay attention. Realize that. Another hand we love to play, ace-five suited. Well, this one hits top pair better only 20% of the time. So that weaker hand that isn't all that strong with big card... um potential because that five is way less than that kicker of 10 over here. You only hit 20 means you gotta bluff 80% of the time to win it on the flop. What about that uh, pocket fours? Whoa, even worse, right? You don't even care about top pair, right? Uh, because, well, you can't even hit a top pair on a board like this. It would be deuce, deuce three, and that's a two pair hand actually. But if you have pocket fours, truly, all you're looking for, um, I guess it is an over pair with deuce, deuce, three. But you're really looking for three of a kind or better. It's only 12%. That means 88% of the time, if you want to win, when you play this hand, 
you're going to have to be bluffing. So the overall idea here is that you only hit at most 25% of the time, unless you have a super tight range, you're going to be bluffing at least 75% of the time on the flop, should you choose to bet. Let's look at a calling range from your opponents, or you might also be calling with these hands. Th whoops, wrong one. 30% calling range here. You can see this range, it's missing the strongest hands, and this one hits only 21% of the time. So if your opponent is you open raise with 31% range, they call in the big blind with this range, they hit less frequently than you. So while Jim had said they have something to get here, at least on the flop, they have nothing even more often than you have nothing. So that's why we bluff so much on flops. And now Jim is right. By the time you get to the river, sure, they have something. But we'll talk about that in an upcoming slide right here. All right, the second key aspect to girding up your loins when it comes to study is hand reading. Now, uh, when you're doing your hand reading exercises, you want to find, in order to prepare yourself to gird up your loins, you want to find bluff opportunities that went to showdown. Things like three bet bluff opportunities, C bet bluff, check raise bluff opportunities, triple barrel bluff opportunities. So for example, you know, when you're running your filter in Poker Tracker 4, go to Actions and Opportunities, go to River Opportunities, and click on the River Opportunity to C-Bet. Add that to the filter, and then bam! You might get something that pops up like this. This is slightly different here, but you'll see if you had the opportunity to C-Bet, that means you had bet on the flop and the turn, and then maybe you check called, maybe you checked behind, maybe you bet the river, whatever it is. All these hands that went to showdown where you failed to make that river bet or where you made the river bet, these are great ones to go through a hand reading exercise. The reason why you want to do this hand reading work uh, is because hand reading with these bluff potential situations, it's going to train you to think more about their ranges um, and how likely your bluff is going to succeed. Now, this is going to end up translating into better in-game reads and more bluffs that you're going to end up making. So you can filter for that, you know, C-bet bluff opportunity, 3-bet bluff opportunity, or filter in for some specific actions, but you want to see those showdown hands to train you to range your opponents and then see what they had at showdown so that you can confirm your reads or not. Now, you also want to, whatever opportunity the bluff opportunity, choose one per week or for every three to five days. So right now, in that video that Jim watched, I had triple barrel bluffed. So if Jim wants to work on that for himself, he should just focus for three to five days just on triple barrel bluffing. Ignore the three-bet bluff study, C-bet bluff, check raise bluff. No, no, no. Just triple barrel bluffs, right? You want to do full hand reading exercise every day, one or two, preferably two, because you're really trying to nail this strategy. You're really trying to convince yourself or not convince yourself. You're really trying to understand your opponent's ranges so that you can pull the trigger when you realize that they're weak. You want to focus on the spot while playing as well. Now, maybe you folded the hand, but you're watching the action and you see that, oh, this one player, he just now double barreled flop and turn. If I were in his shoes right now on the river, would I bluff this river? That's what you want to do. Even when you're not involved in the hand, put yourself in this exact same situation and think about what you would do. Think about your opponent's ranges. And of course, as you're playing, tag relevant hands, even if you're not playing those hands, so you can study them off the felt, maybe do a full hand reading exercise, range your opponents, engage whether or not that river bluff, that three bet bluff, that C bet bluff, whatever it is you're studying would have been a good play. Now, when it comes to playing, 
You have to be prepared to bluff with every hand. So you can see the guy right there with his tunic. He is getting ready. He's not necessarily attacking, but he's in the final step right now of girding up his loins, tying it around his waist so that he's at least ready for whatever might come his way, right? Here's a great question. <clears throat> every pre preflop, here's a great question to ask yourself. How am I going to win this hand? We talked before about King-10 suited open raising, right? When you open raise that on the button, you got to ask yourself, how am I going to win this hand? How does this hand play post-flop? I can't count on hitting a top pair. I can't count on hitting a flush draw or an open and a straight draw on a queen-jack-4 board, right? So that is going to force you to start thinking about your opponents and to really consider how likely you can get them to fold, no matter what comes on the flop, right? You want to recall your Flopzilla training. Remember, their calling ranges, they have nothing just as frequently as you have nothing. Quite often, and that's one of the reasons why I always say aggression works in poker. Aggression is winning poker. It's that you both have nothing. The first one to bet often takes it down. Now, here's a bad attitude to have. And this is what most of us have when we first start playing poker. Well, we're Delta King 10 suited. We're going to open raise it. All that goes through our head is, I'm going to hit a flush. That's, that's all we think, right? Like, I want to hit that flush on the board and then get value out of our hand. We don't consider what happens most of the time. It's that we're not going to hit the flush. We're going to have to bluff at some point. Here's a worse attitude, and I've had this plenty of times, especially early in the poker career. Oh, please let me hit a flush. You're just praying that that flush comes in. Now, the bad thing about this or about both of these attitudes is that if you have these attitudes, it means that you're only thinking about your hand and the board. You're not giving any thought to your opponent's range, their position, their stack size, what their post-flop tendencies are, what their HUD says about their tendencies. All you're thinking is my card can hit a, or my hand can hit a flush. Let's get that flush. You don't want that attitude. Here's the best attitude to have. I'm going to figure out how to exploit this player and win this hand. If you have this attitude and you hit your flush with King-10 suited, sweet! Now you're going to think, how am I going to extract max value? It, what if you hit top pair weak kicker on a king-high board, right? You might think to yourself, oh, how many streets of value can I get versus this player and versus their range, right? Let's say you hit nothing whatsoever. Your thought's going to be, ah, you know, I need to exploit this player, I need to win this hand, but I didn't hit a pair nor any kind of a draw. How can I bluff him and which street is he honest on? Is he going to be committed at any point uh, due to his stack size? Like there's so many things you could think of. But as long as the thing that's going through your mind is how can I exploit this player? That's what you need. That's going to find or help you find the avenues that you need to pursue to win the hand. Last up, pulling the trigger, getting to work, getting aggressive, throwing that uh, bets, raises, throwing that stuff out there. First off, like we've already discussed, hand reading off the felt, flopzilla work. Oh, hand reading on the felt too, right? When you open raise and somebody calls, put them on a range. Narrow that range through the streets. You also have to be paying attention to things like player type, actions, bet sizing, positions, their stack size, all that jazz. When everything is working and your mind is thinking about your opponent and you're playing the player, you are making reads. You realize that, oh, he's pretty weak in this instance. He's strong in this spot right here. He loves that turn card. Whatever your read is, that's when you can start making plays based on the read. But you got to get to making read that read first. Once you make a read, pull the trigger when he's weak 
and he can find a fold. That's a key thing. One of the things that Jim had said was he has something and I have nothing. Well, you got to ask yourself, how often is he folding right here? If you think because of your read, he's folding 50, 60, 80% of the time, you have to bluff. You just have to do it right there. Maybe not necessarily 50% if it's kind of 50-50, but anything 60-70%, if you really logically reason he's going to fold, you have to pull the trigger. Oftentimes, it helps if you target folding players or folders. You want to target tight, aggressive players and nits. It's always helpful to be in position. You want their stack to be big enough so that they are not committed at any point so that your bluff uh, can convince them to fold. If that stuff is in place, Pull the trigger everything uh, every single time. Now, remember earlier I just mentioned Jim had said they must have something and I have nothing. Well, that's true. They must have something to call two streets. But is it a busted flush draw that didn't get there on the river? A busted straight draw? A second pair that just called two streets hoping you would check behind on the river, right? Is he able to fold that something? If so, pull the trigger. And here's the key thing. Girding up your loins. All of everything else I've said up to this point... Um, kind of helps you start to realize the situations that you're in and uh, make reads on weakness and pull the trigger. But really, the only way that you're going to learn to gird up those loins and get aggressive is by doing it. You have to force yourself to do it and train that uh, mouse clicking uh, finger as well. Here's your sticky note for this video. Write all this down, refer to it in your upcoming uh, girding up your loins sessions. And your action step right here, study and play with purpose. Basically, you're going to learn to pull the trigger over the next week at least, maybe even longer. So in your next five study and play sessions, choose one form of bluffing aggression that you want to do or you want to learn. You want to do these things, Flopzilla work with ranges, hand reading with showdown hands. How am I going to win this hand? Ask yourself that question while you're playing. And then pull the trigger when you reason they can find a fold. Now, if for like Jim, for example, if you enjoy this practice this week with triple barrel bluffing, choose another form of bluffing aggression for the next five days and another one for the next five days and so on. Turn yourself into the player that you want to be. Jim said initially, right, that he considers he, he would say he's a tag, but he's more of a tag fish, right? Well, Jim, I know you want to be a tag and eventually you want to be a lag. This and everybody else who's, who uh, is kind of sees themselves as Jim sees themselves, this is what you need to do to turn yourself into the player that you want to be. Alrighty, your learning isn't complete until you go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 411. And of course, right now until Tuesday night, October 4th at midnight, is the buy one, get one fall sale over at thepokerforge.com. Buy a month, get a month, even better, buy a quarter, get a quarter. Just click either button, join the Poker Forge right now for this super awesome fall BOGO deal. ThePokerForge.com Until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be.